When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From Variety, celebrating more than 115 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. I remember that I wasn't even thinking about the cannibalism when I read it, which may be a strange thing to say, but it's true because the love of the story and also the peculiarity of this person felt so much greater than this picture frame of cannibalism in a way and in any way I think as actors try to do if we're doing it okay is that we're focusing on the emotional story and and less so the physicality that comes out of it. Taylor Russell devours every morsel of her time on screen in Bones and All, the new film from director Luca Guadagnino about teenage cannibals. I'm Clayton Davis. On this episode of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast, we talk with Taylor Russell about her MGM UAR film, Bones and All, and what it was like working with her co-stars, Timothy Chalamet and Mark Rylance. But first, the roundtable looks at Variety's ranker of the top 100 films of all time. Also, we share some picks on what we want to watch over the winter break. Nothing says the holidays like a good chat about teenage cannibals, and it's all next on this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Stay close. Ho, ho, ho. We've been so good this year, children. No. Wait. <laughs> what? I don't. Who was that? <laughs> it's a monster. That's who it is. Mm-hmm. It's a monster. It's, I, I literally sounded like Clayton, but it was Michael, it's wasn't Santa, it? <laughs> it's Santa Mike. Ah, Santa Clay. So, well, so that's, uh, we're, all, we're all celebrating the holidays here. So it is Variety TV editor Michael Schneider, along with your holiday surprises of Clayton Davis. Hello. And Jazz Tanke. Hello. And last, but certainly not li- least, on, no. on the list of who's been good this year. And she's wearing Janelle Christmas colors, Riley. too. I'm definitely last because I'm not there in the studio with y'all, and I feel really lousy about it. And just so everyone knows, these people bent over backwards to accommodate me. You know, tis the season. We had to have the crew here to celebrate uh, one last time before the end of the year. Actually, that's not true. We still have an episode next week, yeah. too. What am I talking about? We, oh, we never, oh, okay, we're cool. never done here because, you know, the awards season don't sleep. Can't stop, won't stop. That is absolutely true. And literally, because last night, uh, as we're recording this, so around 8 o'clock, suddenly I get an email in my inbox, Emmy rule changes. Oh, and by the way, can you post this at 6 a.m. the next day? (laughs) What time time did it come in? (laughs) What what time did you get it? They say it was... Around, I got it around 8 p.m. Jesus, God. Wow. But uh, at least that was time to to write up uh, the big changes where, you know, we've been waiting for a while to figure out what the TV Academy was going to do about Variety Talk and Variety Sketch because that system wasn't working. I mean, they were down to eight sketch contenders last year, which meant that only two, once again, were actually nominated as Saturday Night Live and a Black Lady Sketch Show. So that was for the second year in a row. Clearly, they couldn't keep going this direction. And at the same time, there's been ongoing debate over is it does it really makes sense for the late night nightly shows to go up against something like last week tonight with John Oliver, which is a different kind of show. So and a juggernaut and a juggernaut. So between that winning the talk uh, category every single year and Saturday Night Live winning the variety sketch category every single year, I think the TV Academy decided it was time to do something different. So those two shows are now apparently going to compete against each other, which I'm sure is not going over well <laughs> in Lauren at Thirty Rock. At tonight. Thirty Rock. <laughs> He's having a rough week between Cecily Strongly and this. And probably also not going well with last week tonight because suddenly there's no guarantee they'll get an Emmy this year, having won every (laughs) single year since 2016. But I say hold off because we've seen this before where, remember a couple years ago, the TV Academy decided to merge talk and sketch Mm -hmm. and then Lorne Michaels complained and then suddenly a couple months later, uh, we're 
we're going to separate the this. two after all and really reconsider this. So I, I, I would not like count anything out just yet. I mean, who knows if ultimately last week tonight might try to find another category or, or there, or maybe SNL might try to find another category. Who knows? Like comedy so, series. Maybe. So, I mean, that's a possibility, right? If they, if they're going to have actors submitted, but I mean, then again, that makes it even a more of a long shot to get a nomination. Yeah. Do, did they talk about, uh, what they do about the short form? So like, where's Tim, Where's uh, I, I think no, you should leave go. They they haven't like there there's a lot of still like unanswered questions. Got it. Because you're right. That that should go in uh the, the scripted variety. Now it's called scripted variety. Uh but uh that doesn't necessarily mean that something that's short form like Tim Robinson or Murderville. Or Murderville. So such a good Christmas special, by the way. Mm, didn't, oh yes, my god! Another delightful. TV delightful. news. Yeah. Let's just make this a little bit. Yeah. Hey, I'm all for that. <laughs> <laughs> Mike likes this podcast exactly. <laughs> but then, what will we do with our special segment? Mike saw a movie. I know. Well, that's what comes at the end of the episode. But can I just say the secret yeah. best thing that was in that release that only made Clayton Davis happy? They no longer you you can no longer vote for as many shows as you want. Yeah. There's a cap. Yeah. Now. They're not going to let you just vote for every show that's, that's right. on the ballot. Which, which was always so odd because obviously if, uh, you know, you're, you're voting, if you're, you're at a company like a Netflix and you're just checking every a single Netflix box show. for yeah. every single Netflix show, mm-hmm. does that make sense? So, But they yeah. didn't say the number. They said a number that will vary by category. Well, they, the, the, it's, it's the number is going to correspond with how many nominees there are in a category. Oh, so okay. if there so are eight. Like, Eight for series, and then six Ooh. or five, depending on what the different categories are. That opens things up considerably. Yeah. Now that wow. that could be. I mean that that That's we're talking a lot about the the talk and and sketch, but honestly, that could be the more impactful rule change. That this, will this change the year. landscape of a lot of nominees. Because now, honestly, you don't I, under that system. I don't think you get four Ted Lasso people in a category now or for SNL people because there's not the Academy at large isn't doing that. They're not going to go all same show. They will go Split, elsewhere. So I think yeah. you, the most you'll get is maybe two now. Well, Pro- that, maybe you th- I don't know. I think it might still be a juggernaut, but, but, uh, who do you can think tell? dope sick and white Lotus would still like, ev- like get as, I mean, cause you have six. Well, that white Lotus thing was insane. That was just mm-hmm. completely insane. Oh, by the way, again. <laughs> um, I spoke to Jake Lacey the other day, who was just, uh, he wanted to wait until all the episodes of White Lotus season two were out before binging them. And I told him, I was like, you know, Theo James is making you look like a good husband on that show. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and he said, a lot of people have told me that. So he was he was going to start it that night. That was a week ago. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to what he thought. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, for the first time in a long time, I'm really, really excited about Emmy season now. Cause yeah. now, now, it, because now it's wide, I, do, I really think it's wide open. I think that oh, number, yeah. I'm telling you, like, it, I just think you're going to see a, uh, more shows represented. Now. I hope you're right. I, I think that would be huge. And and again, that that could be sort of the uh, you know the, the the secret of this rule change that really changes things up. So are there, are there more changes to come, or that's it now? It feels like that's it. I mean, these are okay. the the big issues that everyone was talking about coming out of last year. Actually, those two things is the how do what do you do with sketch and and talk, and what do you do with this issue of so many shows getting multiple nominations and pushing out other shows, so you have limited series that actually get a ton of nods. So if you're right, if yep. this changes that, then wow, they they masterstroke by the TV account. But by the way, this is a long game now because what's going to happen is next year we're not going to see all these double dips, and then yeah. someone will complain, and then they'll take Mike's idea and they say we should expand to ten. That's well, how we I get there. I think they still should do <laughs> that. I know they should. But this is the road yeah. to ten. Yeah, they're gonna. You are madness. It's all, it's all the long game. Well yeah. done, Michael. <laughs> we did it. We did we it, did guys. It. You're, you're preemptively. <laughs> yeah. Furl the banner. We did it. <laughs> we did it, guys. Uh, but I'm excited. So Emmys are are underway. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. Oh, <laughs> I mean, they, they do feel like they're underway. I well, think yeah. it all. Start, I mean, listen. SAG nominations are going to come, and then people are going to go. There's my show nominated. Yeah. By the way, we still don't know where we're going to watch the SAG Awards. Can you believe that? That's insane. Oh, my gosh. That's insane to me. It's so sad. And it's insane. clearly just going to be streaming somewhere. It's not going to be on I, a I feel like, TV network, it feels like oh. at this point. So, 
Yeah. How weird is that? I mean, we already know that the indie spirits are just going to stream, that they're not going to have a broadcast home. It's crazy to me because they get A-list talent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's such a short, good show. It's like straight two yeah. hours to the point. It's like the greatest one to watch. Which one? SAG? SAG. SAG. Yeah. Yeah. So tight. Yeah. yeah. But, but I actually wonder if that's part of the problem because... Uh, we all love it. It's a good tight show, but then maybe you don't get as many like crazy. Well, it's not. Moments. It's not an entertaining show. It's like just award, 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 award. There, there aren't. Yeah. I mean, it is to me. Yeah. But <laughs> if you care about awards, I recognize yeah. I'm not the. Yeah. But that's that's what streaming is for now. That's why you'll uh, you'll be able to still watch it on a webcast, but it, yeah. it won't be on Turner. And um, despite that, they still have their own quintessential identity. Like I always yeah. look forward to, you know, my name is Eugene Levy and I'm an actor. And they have yeah. that little, little yeah. banter with him and Dan. Like, it's fun. The, the, but that is the end of the moments. <laughs> then it's just who won after. Yeah. I appreciate them not trying to ape other, you know, yeah. award shows, you know, and doing, a, uh, I'm going to be careful with my adjectives here, but, you know, it's, um, it's it's really cool and it's very actor oriented, obviously, and I think that that's really nice. Yeah. I'm just waiting for the day the BAFTA actually chooses to live stream, rather than have to wait for this Ooh. delay. Yes, that delay is terrible. And then they don't even show the whole thing anyway, even when they do decide yeah. to air it. So it's actually ridiculous. Yeah, it's so weird. Meanwhile, award we'll... shows be crazy, y'all. <laughs> Speaking of award shows, I mean, the first, uh, the, the next one, the next big one up, of course, is Golden Globes. And we have more information, of course, now about what that show is going to look Time like. Time of recording three weeks from today, guys. That's yeah. insane. Like, that is bananas. I mean, we still don't know who's going to show up. It's, and we still don't know if there are going to be many after parties. Uh, you know, we do know that Ryan Murphy's going to be there. So. <laughs> Uh, I assume, and the other Murphy, and Eddie Murphy. But I assume with Ryan, you get the casts of his shows, and Ryan has many shows. So at the very least, you have those casts showing up, and you have executives from, say, Netflix and and probably Disney there also to support him. So it's it's sort of that was smart. That, that, that you guarantee at least having those folks in the audience. Uh, you know. Less clear who Eddie Murphy brings to the crowd, to the audience. Um, Wesley Snipes. He <laughs> Wesley Snipes, man. I want to hey, dolomite yeah. my name reunion. Let's get it going. And, and Arsenio Hall. Yeah, exactly. That's, so, hey, I'd want to yeah, be that, that, that's, but, a, that's yeah. a good table. But at least he does bring star power to, yeah. to it, too. And and we know Drod Carmichael will be fantastic as host because he was great uh, guest hosting SNL and his special was great. And I, I just kind of trust that he's going to bring some, uh, you know, some, some, great energy to the night but beyond that that was a big get that was a big get to get yeah, your own yeah i mean if you couldn't get an a-lister if you couldn't get kevin hart or what have you then you go with someone who at least uh is critically acclaimed and the critics do love gerard but yeah beyond that tbd but you're right we're we're just a couple weeks away from tuesday the 10th because ain't no party like a tuesday night party yeah. Those Golden Globes That's don't so stop. weird to me. Yeah, yeah. I, brought, I brought it back. <laughs> um, but now transitioning now to film because a lot of anniversaries are happening, not only this month, but this year. And Titanic celebrated its 25th anniversary. Um, and also we're 25 years from the Oscars having its highest rated show ever. Ah, not a coincidence that it's also Titanic's anniversary. <laughs> 50, 57 million people reported by Nielsen, but they say 87 million people watched part, some part of the Oscars that night. Wow. So question, do they ever get back to that many people? No. 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 Uh, I say no on broadcast only. Uh, but you think if one day... No, it's just not going to happen. Come on. We don't have that many people in the world well, anymore, it feels like. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> well like, population's decreasing well, well, now. What, what did World Cup do, uh, according to Fox? 128 million or whatever, Mike? Um Ish, I don't have that in my oh. head. But like, <laughs> it was over Come on, Mike, you're a sports guy. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, it was, it was up to over 100 million. So I think it has to be a combination of things. It cannot just be broadcast. Yeah, and I think if you do end up one day on a global streamer, um, maybe you get some of that number back. But even then, people just aren't watching these shows the way they used to. And I, I, I don't know 
what you do to bring that back to change it because people just don't have to watch these shows anymore like they once did and and so yeah you could change the venue you could turn to streaming but streaming's no guarantee that people suddenly are like yeah i want to watch that as opposed to something i really want to watch yeah. and if anything uh you know broadcast at least it's still there front and center but streaming is just another tile it was also a perfect storm of movies i mean you had titanic the highest grossing film of all time the sixth highest grossing film of the year was as good as it gets That's which insane, is bananas right? wow seventh highest grossing film goodwill hunting like all nominated for best picture la confidential i think was like 40 on the list but the critical darling and even full monty globally yep on People the global wor- movie. on the global worldwide was 10 That's that year Wow. Yeah, it, it was just a different age. But, and and yeah, I mean, even when you look at 1997, that's before even cable was starting to do a lot of original programming. That's two years before The Sopranos debuted. There just wasn't a lot of competition. So back then, what are you going to watch on a Sunday night? Well, you're going to watch the Oscars, especially because, you know, Titanic is, is a juggernaut. But, and by the way, Leo got snubbed, which was the big story, and didn't go to the ceremony because he was mad about it. <laughs> that was all reported at the time, by the way. So like... Is it even despite that? It's not like and Leo heads were like very passionate people then. So imagine like you're still the are. biggest, still are, but but different animal now. Like people would be like, oh, I'm not watching. I'm like when Gaga got snubbed, people were like, oh god, there goes ratings. And I mean, not saying that it was necessarily a dip or a rise, and we're in a different time. But you do worry about when you miss out. This year we have Top Gun, Avatar. Elvis. Elvis, Glass Onion, you know, all in the mix going to get something. Do people tune in for the movies or are they just tuning in because they want to feel like they're going to watch a good show? And that's what it is. You also have the added Rihanna possibility, Gaga possibility, Taylor Swift possibility. Could Tom Cruise get nominated? I mean, that's He's going to be nominated as a producer for sure, yeah. like, this is... They need him what? to fly a plane into the Dolby Theater Do in the doorway, stunt, right? in the doorway, perfectly turn in and then land on the stage and just get yeah. out. He could do that. He'd totally do it. Yeah, no, we he, saw what he could do this week. <laughs> he <laughs> he needs to skydive into the Dolby, like somehow just free fall into the Dolby. They totally could do that, right? They could have him skydive onto they the Dolby could, roof. They could have him skydive off. The Academy Museum land on a motorcycle. <laughs> yeah. Why yes. are you all trying to I, kill Tom Cruise? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tommy, Tom Cruise I mean, is never going to die. I, I think, Don't I think, worry. Yeah, yeah, but he, producing he's the, the Oscars right here. Yeah, but yeah, that, that's a, a, a. So that was just thinking a lot about that. So there's a lot of that anniversary. Then also our issue this week because this is out after our issue drops. Uh, Variety did the hundred hundred greatest movies of all time, and I. I'm always curious, and especially Mike, who you know watches one movie per month. Uh, I wanted to get your take real quick on some of these selections. That number one was Psycho. This is not the take, Clayton. It's not the take. Sorry, this not is the not take. the take. We can't not give you take. our takes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Psycho number one, Alfred Hitchcock. I mean, that's tough to argue with. It's a, it. I mean, it's an interesting choice. I, I think if you're gonna do a list like this, you have to do something that's a little unconventional. Yeah. So. Uh, so I think that's a smart. And it's way not even like that unconventional. That. No, I don't a, think. Yeah, because still hitch. Because it's always been either Citizen Kane or Vertigo, right? There's always been the two that swap, and we still went with a Hitchcock movie in the end. But it's it is a good one. Followed by Wizard of Oz, mm-hmm. which inarguable. The Godfather, Citizen Kane at number four. Uh, then we have Pulp Fiction at number five. Wow, I like the top five. Top five is a good five. There are good some. There are good recent. Films also too because people usually begrudge. Yeah, I was curious about that. We have Parasite on the list. Yay! We have Bridesmaids on the list. Yes, (laughs) it filled (laughs) my heart with joy. I can't believe Bridesmaids was there. What's what's some of your favorite comedies uh, ever? When you think of comedies and When Harry Met Sally. Mm. Um, Yeah, I mean Ghostbusters. uh, Ghostbusters. The original nineteen eighty one, right? Roxanne, Raising Arizona. Uh, Pootie Tang, white, white chick. <laughs> I love Pootie Tang. Pootie Tang is hilarious. Uh, highest uh, ranked Spielberg movie on the list I thought was interesting. At number 10, Saving Private Ryan. Wow, wow. that does surprise me. Interesting. What's your favorite Spielberg? 
I mean, E.T. Yeah. E.T. That's yeah. mine, too. That's got to be that, right? It's going to yeah. be tough to talk about. And, and, that's, and yeah. that's on the list as well. Gene Wilder appears the most on the list. Three movies of his are on the list. So I think that's interesting as well. Especially when you look at, as we get farther away from classic stars, it's hard to find out who's going to discover them as we get older. Mm-hmm. Like, like, what is Sophia going to watch? What is, uh, what are all our kids going to watch, like, in, 25 years like is there a classic going to be scream five <laughs> not saying that's like right. necessarily awful but like is that what they go to well they already look at the movies that we grew up with and that they're considered classics um yeah it's, it's sometimes hard to even get my kids to watch movies from even the 80s because it feels so old to them it's 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 stunning like just how ancient it feels to them and suddenly you feel embarrassed like you have to sell them on the idea that it's not really that old but to them hmm. it might as well be a movie from the 50s and moonlight also on the list by the way another recent uh film we were referring to uh before but i i do just need to uh shout out some obviously titanic made the list as as it very well should but what are your thoughts on some of the superhero movies because dark knight made it on the list that's, I think that's a great pick. Is, is, that yeah. your, is that your go-to superhero flick? Mm, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know I mean, either. it's pretty superior to most of them, I would say. Although, I, you know, I, I think that Avengers Endgame is brilliant. I think Thor is brilliant. Did Black Panther make the list? Uh, the, uh, Black I don't remember. I, don't, many, I don't think so. Are there oh. many Marvel movies on that list? No. I don't think there are any Marvel movies, actually. Uh, Moulin Rouge is on the list, though, and that makes oh, me so, yeah. so damn happy. Uh, I love we how we pivoted from Marvel movies to Moulin Rouge. Yeah, and, yeah. and then to King Kong. <laughs> King I'm Kong happy Miyazaki made the list for My my Neighbor Totoro. Like, yeah, that, was that a good really one. melted me. When it comes to Baz Luhrmann, though, I, I kind of still think I like Romeo and Juliet better than Moulin I Rouge. do, too. That's, my, that's his masterpiece for me. I mean, the, the music is still just... It's a dope soundtrack. Amazing. It's, it's one the, of the greatest, greatest soundtracks ever. Yeah. Greatest soundtracks I will not stand for the Strictly Ballroom arrangement. I love Strictly Ballroom. <laughs> no, that's, that's great, too. I, I, but, have a, I have a hot take. I don't think Baz has made a bad movie, ever. No, I agree. I think he... Like, even Great Gatsby, which I think is his least, just gets over that. I'm like, I like it. It's fine. Great yeah. Gatsby is actually quite a very good adaptation of yeah, a pretty thin book. Yeah. 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 Whoa. <laughs> It's like sudden where we're taking down the great Gatsby. I know. Goddamn Gatsby. Yeah, yeah. bring it on, Fitzgerald. Uh, F. Scott oh, Fitzgerald, a hack. Just He's a hack. too good for too long. And my, my last question for you guys, and this is what becomes the, the argument, best versus favorite. Like, people are like, that's my favorite, but it's not the best. I see that as meaning the same thing. Oh, yeah, I have to do this all the time with Christopher Nolan because I think the best movie of all time is Memento. But my favorite movie of his is The Prestige. But why? Why isn't? Why isn't it then Prestige then? It's his best because I can watch it again and again. And I mean, I could do that with Memento too. But it just—I don't know. It's—it's it's a joy thing, I think. Hmm. I mean, it's kind of the same argument that people have all the time about guilty pleasures. Is there such a thing as a guilty pleasure, or should you just enjoy something just and not like be guilty yeah. about it? And that's kind of the same thing too with the best versus like favorite, and you know the their argument could be had that okay, you think that uh, uh, you know the greatest movie of all time is Citizen Kane, yeah. but you're not gonna like. But I don't pop in Citizen Kane on a Friday. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah not- if you just want to kick back and watch something that you're gonna enjoy that doesn't feel like homework, that's a different movie. The movie that I just will watch. If it's on TV, I'm like, I got to watch it now. That's what my favorite film of all time. Oh, we, I was part of the contributors that submitted some films. We had to submit 50. Mm. And then that's what uh, a lot of us did. But my favorite film of all time is Dead Poet Society. I will watch it every single time. If it's on, I if that. I come across it or if I just want to watch it. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think it's, then people are like, oh, it's your favorite. But is it the best film ever made? For me, it is. Because it just means that the most the to me. I did not make the list. I'm furious, but it's fine. <laughs> but it's fine. So, so I didn't expect it to. Not enough people wrote about it. Yeah. I, I, I ranked my list and my, none of my top. Uh, oh, actually, my top um, Empire Strikes Back made the list. That's my number three. Oh, that's three. great. Oh, good. So I made it. But so. Forrest Gump did not, and neither did uh, Dead Poets Society. Shocking on Forrest Gump, though, a little bit, maybe. 
I, I love Forrest Gump. And listen, Forrest Gump gets a bad. A lot of movies age poorly, and I get that, but let's still dig it. Yeah, it's, it's Hanks at his best. Yeah, it's 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 still it's a, it's a fun ride, and that's another movie that you could just yeah. like watch chunks of. Yeah, I, I hate the discourse. That, I don't know if you see this, Janelle, on Twitter. There's a discourse against Mrs. Doubtfire, and I think those people are monsters. That crap oh, on I have never been a fan of Miss, Mrs. Oh. Doubtfire. I think I think what he does to gaslight his ex-wife is terrible. But it's been years since <laughs> I've seen it, so I'm sure it was. I'm sure. No, I, I even back then I felt bad for Sally Field, but yeah. but at the same time it was hard to respect her because how could she not see the person in front of her was her ex-husband? Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sophia loves Mrs. Doubtfire, by the way, which is weird. Like, like she's like, oh, put on Mrs. Doubtfire, and she'll just watch it all the time. She's such a good kid. But it's, it's, but it's like, I'm like, that's what you're watching all the time. Like, I need you to watch Death Becomes Her. That was also on my oh list. Oh my gosh, not, no. Death by, Becomes by Her was on my list. I think I do. I, I watched uh, Mrs. Doubtfire not that long ago, and I got to say now that it's there's also it's sort of like San Francisco porn. To some degree, oh, yeah. it's like yes. the dream of like the, this is the <laughs> so height true. of like living in an amazing like it's brownstone a, Victorian it's a house opening pretty much like over and over again. <laughs> I mean, it's total just like living in San Francisco porn because they live on like the steepest hill yeah. ever. Yeah, and uh, it's just, which, as I maybe remind you all, Sally Field's character pays for because she's the one with the job. Oh. He works too. He just loses his job that day. Yes. <laughs> also, by the way, because she doesn't listen to this podcast, so she won't know. Uh, my wife, I got her a trip to San Francisco for Christmas because we, oh, wow. have, we both have yeah. never been before. <gasps> so we're going to go for the first time. You've you never so been much in fun. Oh, so Never lovely. been. And I have to go. There's two streets that intersect in uh, San Francisco, Clayton and Davis. No oh. way. Oh, I, and I, have, and I have to go. You have to take a photo on that street side. That's yep. amazing. So I have to go hang wow. out. So that's where I'll be sometime in the future. Yeah. Oh, remind me off uh, when when we get off the mic, uh, still our favorite chicken sandwich of all time. Is, that, is it in San Francisco? It's uh, actually in Oakland. It's uh, Bake Sale Betty's. Like, amazing chicken sandwich. I'm I was like, so. did you not want to share with the listeners? Or? Yeah, I just did. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. And they have a great strawberry shortcake there, too. So we're just all over the map with this uh, final, uh, no, not final episode. Yeah. We still no, have one just, just, know number, all over the map. just know at number 100 is The Graduate. So is Dustin Hoffman okay again? Or what? Uh, he's, I, he's, I don't know. He's no. in that gray he, he's, area, he's in a, isn't he? I, yeah. I, I say him and Richard Dreyfus are in the same area. They're both, like, started getting, like, uh, stuff around the Me Too stuff. Yeah. And then... And then people just pivoted. So it was like, well, okay, let's just leave that. We're just not going to talk no, about it. We just won't. Yeah, okay. It's, it's one of those. But there's a lot, a lot. You're not sure like who we can talk about again. The other thing is how many of these movies on this list have been parodied by The Simpsons? Exa- every single one right? of them, I'm sure. Yeah. I think maybe that's that should, should be write- the next list. Of, yeah. Like, yeah. Best, ooh. Best Simpsons movie that. parodies? You know, you can yeah. spearhead that list. <laughs> Only if Mike agrees to help me out. <laughs> Yes, that's a fun collab. Well, that, that'll be something we do in the new year. <laughs> well, um, I guess before we go, since we are heading to the end of the year, um, any sort of... Uh, By the way, you were setting this up like you're about to give an announcement, so I kind of cringed I know, for a second. Me too. <laughs> I was like, what are you about to say? Go ahead. This is the final episode yeah, of the This <laughs> is how you podcast. tell us. Yeah. Um, but, us on air. But no, since uh, since people are going to have some time off now and they have time to watch something maybe that they haven't had a chance to catch up on, I want to hear your uh, suggestions. Uh, maybe something that's a little left field or something that people might not have caught during the year that they should uh, watch now. May I go? Because I do have to go. Yeah. Yeah. Janelle, uh, first up. I Love My Dad, starring Patton Oswalt, um, directed by and co-starring James Morrissey. Great movie that did not get the love it deserved. I had hoped at least the Independent Spirit Awards would come through it. Uh, based on a true story where uh, Pat Oswalt plays a man who accidentally catfishes his own son. And it's very funny, but it's also very sweet and insightful. And um, yeah, I and also I think everyone has seen it now, though, because it's on Netflix now. But Emily the Criminal is quite good. Oh, Aubrey Plaza. She yes. is everywhere. right Having now. a moment yeah. right now. Yeah. Good for her. Yeah. Jazz, uh, do you have something that uh, you think people should keep an eye out for during the holidays? Co-sign on Emily the Criminal. I watched that the other night and it was so much fun. It was She's great. Um, Vengeance. Um, Low-key film should have performed better. Um, I really liked that. It was a great BJ Novak, film. man. Yeah. She's good. Yeah. Um, 
Although the, that the, ending, I'm still not sure I like that. <laughs> <laughs> not to spoil anything. Yeah. I just like, yeah, I thought that was a fun one. And um, not out of left field, but if you haven't seen it, watch The Woman King with Viola Davis and that incredible cast. That's Those are my three. Clayton? Always champion some international cinema. So if you can get to a theater and see Close or Holy Spider, please do so. But if you also want to, uh, you know, cringe a little bit, watch Bones and All with this week's guest, Taylor Russell, because that movie is secretly my jam of the year. That opening sequence. Do not watch it at 7 a.m. in the morning. I I love it so much, and I know I'm not supposed to. But, and RRR, Michael. Did you watch? I was... I was going to this weekend, uh, but then my my son just got boosted, and he was sick on Saturday. I was good because because ever since Clayton R-R said cured him, by the way, yeah. <laughs> but Clayton said you have to take the boys to watch it, so so we're gonna wait and now now that he's feeling better, hopefully see it soon. But I yeah. showed Jessica this week for the first time. Oh, what was her reaction? She pitched me an open marriage like thirty minutes into it. <laughs> she fell in love with all of them. Yeah, all of them. It's some good stuff. All right. Well, that that is my holiday homework uh, to watch RRR and a few more movies. But, Text um, me as soon as soon as you're finished. <laughs> okay. Um, but I hear I have to watch RRR on the screen on the big screen. If like you that's, can, that's if not you can. if you can, uh, yeah, to watch a screener on. So, and uh, I am uh, kicking off. This is the the year of uh, you're going to hear me talk about this a lot because. This is the year we're going to get Reservation Dogs an Emmy nomination. And yes. it's a reminder that if you haven't watched season two yet of this amazing show. Or season one. Or season one. <laughs> yeah. Um, then you need to catch up during the holidays. Uh, you know, it's on a lot of people's lists. Uh, it's a lot of people's number one show of the year for good reason. Uh, I just an emotional wallop like no other show this year. So, uh, so that is the kickoff of my campaign in 2023 to get some Emmy attention for res- reservation dogs. And I think if you only have eight spots to check, I think it would be on that list. Cause I think it's, it's a, it's a, I think it's a lot of people's top five. There you go. So I, I'm feeling good about this. It's going to be good. That an after party this year, bring an after party back. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Looking forward to another season of that. So, well, next week we'll talk about, yeah, what else we're uh, looking forward to in 2023. But for now, let's go and uh, celebrate. Happy holidays, everyone. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Bye bye. After the break, Bones and All Star Taylor Russell from Los Angeles. This is the Award Circuit Podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back. It's the Variety Award Circuit Podcast, and I'm Clayton Davis. Taylor Russell is an actor with a stunning performance in the cannibal drama Bones and All, from Call Me By Your Name director, Luca Guadagnino. Based on the book by Camille DeAngelis, writer David Kajanich who penned the device of Suspiria, is on board to tell the story of Marin, a young woman who learns how to survive on the margins of society as a cannibal while searching for her mother. Move, Mary. 
When the cops get here, we have to be good and gone. Along the way, Marin meets Lee, played by Academy Award nominee Timothy Chalamet, a young man drifting through the Midwest. She also meets Sully, played by Academy Award winner Mark Rylance, an older gentleman who harbors both sweet and terrifying tendencies. I recently spoke with Russell about her role at Bones and All, including what it was like to work alongside Timothy Chalamet and Mark Rylance. She also talks about her journey to Hollywood since breaking out in the 2019 drama Waves, which premiered at the Telluride Film Festival and co-starred Kelvin Harrison Jr. Finally, she answers the question about what is the movie that influenced her career the most? This comes as Variety names the 100 greatest movies of all time. But we began our conversation by me asking what she's grateful for in her time in Hollywood. Every day, something new happens that blows my mind. And I have to go backwards a little bit because you're the person that I remember from the beginning of Waves and us doing the press run. And I always remember feeling like this support from you and seeing you at all these events and just, I don't know, having a friendly face mm-hmm. in a new you know arena. And um, I know you've been around for years and I just- Not that many years, watch it. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. no, you're very young. Yeah. But I mean, in yeah. our relationship and, yeah. um, and I really appreciate it. And I'm so happy to be sitting here with you. Listen, I don't do it for everyone. So if I do it, it means I, I think you're good. Because <laughs> otherwise, it'd be like, why are you here? <laughs> what are we doing? But um, I, I, I think it's uh, for the people that didn't know about the band. Uh, it's good to tell them about the music. So yeah. uh, I discovered you in Waves. Uh, you've done other things after Escape Room. Uh, you've you've really been making your way around the Hollywood scene. How did you end up in this crazy business? Good question. Um, well, I was 18. I didn't exactly know what I was going to do uh, out of high just school. Just bite someone's finger off and then <laughs> you decided to go on a bus Plant ride. Plant the seed of cannibalism and then <laughs> see how it returns. No, yeah. no, not, <laughs> not exactly do you feel that. Like you have to be clear with people. Like, I am not a cannibal. Like, you feel like well, you just need to say it as a like preface. I don't know. No, but then somebody the other day asked me, has anybody messaged you saying like, this has really got me thinking? And I, and no, I mean, oh no, <laughs> nobody so has dark. messaged me saying that. If everything I get, um, and I do read a lot of, you know, messages that I'm sent or like letters or what have you. And, um, and they're all very heartfelt and very, the, com- the complete opposite of that, you know? So uh, that's also another lucky, a lucky thing. But um, uh, yeah, I, I've i always been a theatrical child and I knew that I'd be in the arts somehow. I just didn't exactly know what avenue it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I feel at home within the acting community that I found and within this, this world as it stands right now um, with the people that I know. So, so, so far, so mm-hmm. good, but we'll see what happens. So I assume that the origins of you getting involved with Bones and All begins in a pandemic, right? So you're sitting minding your own business mm-hmm. and then you hear Yeah, about- yeah, <laughs> actually because I well I was shooting the last season of Lost in Space in Vancouver, but it was still pandemic time and I during because when you went to Canada at that time you had to quarantine for 2 weeks. Mm. Like really not leave your house at all or else, I don't know, some agent would track you down <laughs> yeah. or something, Canadian agent. Um, so I was just watching, I was binge watching a bunch of things and I watched all of We Are Who We Are and I wrote Luca a note and I'd never written a note to a director before, but I just felt called to. And as the stars were aligned, he had asked for a meeting at the same time that I was writing him the letter. No way. So... That happened, and you didn't put on a cassette tape. I'm gonna keep bringing back to like the little things in that movie. Like, no, please do. I like all these little, little hidden gem and details. And some people are like, "What? Is, what, what movie cassette is this?" Tape. Like, yeah, finger biting. <laughs> 
what is Clayton on about oh, today? Oh man, this movie is great. <laughs> um, so guys, yeah, so, so you're, you're writing him a note. He contacts you. Serendipity yes. shows up. Yeah, and then um, I, it kind of I don't know snowballed from there. He obviously had seen waves and um, kind of just had this. He has a very strong intuition. He's somebody who just works off of what he feels and doesn't question it too much. And um, and that worked out well for me because he offered me the role um, without an audition. And that's never happened to me before. Oh, yeah. And knew. I knew it was Timmy. I knew it was him. Mm-hmm. I knew that it was going to be a bunch of special actors. And I just thought – I thought I would have done the smallest role in the movie. I would have – I love to shadow him. I would have just loved to be around the people. And, um, you know, heaven was smiling down and said, here's the lead role. So you would have took the bus, the the bus depot role, just like standing there to hand a ticket to. Yes. Except for she was incredible. Oh, she is great. There, there's like, um, Oh God. What was I thinking of when I saw her? I was thinking of no country for old men. Uh, you know, I haven't Dan. seen it. Okay. It's I am yeah, I will not treat I'll you poorly. I'll be honest poorly. about it though. <laughs> That's please be honest about it cuz I my first thing I ever wrote at Variety was about cinematic blind spots and it's okay to have them. I've yes. never seen Casablanca. Okay, so I've seen that and I just watched Chinatown which I had never seen. Oh yeah. Loved. Such a such a good movie. Such a good movie. Yeah. And, so and it's listen, good to it's have a, blind spots. Yeah, it's because you can't watch every movie that's ever been made. No. And so. you want to have moments. You want to have special moments. I want to, you know, see No Country for Old Men yeah. on a maybe a day in 10 years, and I'm going to really remember it. Listen, you and I were talking before the recording. Uh, if you haven't seen Air Bud, I don't know what you're doing with your life. <laughs> like, because Air Bud's the ish. Christine Trafikio loves Air Bud. <laughs> yes. It's the best <laughs> movie ever. It's such a 90s movie. And by the way, people are going to watch it and go, what? I'm like, yeah, it's so good. Um, all right. So um, – so you get you get this role, and <clears throat> you read the script, and it is the sincerest take on teenage cannibalism that you can imagine. Because <laughs> at first you're like, oh, it's going to be – I thought, like, oh, it's a horror movie. But it's so sincere and heartfelt just in the shadow of cannibalism. Yeah. So what, did you feel like that when you read it? Yeah, weirdly – because we've had to talk about it a bunch and my recollection of my first reading of the script, I've been thinking about it. And I remember that I wasn't even thinking about the cannibalism Mm -hmm. when I read it, which may be a strange thing to say. Um, But it's true because the love of the story and also the peculiarity of this person felt so much greater than um, this picture frame of cannibalism in a way. And in any way, I think as, as actors try to do, if we're doing it, mm-hmm. okay, is that we're focusing on the emotional story and, and less so the, the physical, the physicality that comes out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really did feel like the cannibalism was just the punctuation of an emotional undercurrent that was happening between all of these people. Um, obviously, it's very taboo and strange and punk in a way mm-hmm. to be using a cannibal picture frame. Uh, and something that I think very few people could do if not only one person yeah. like Luca yeah. could do. You know what actually it reminded me of uh, when I came out of the screening at Tell Your Ride? I, I was – I kept coming back to the Lost Boys. Uh, like there, there was something very Lost Boys, but not uh, as like campy. Yeah. But just, you know, it, he created he creates a world because it's a period piece, which people like – that part kind of flies over people's head. Yeah. And you're like watching it because you're, you're like, it is modern day. Like, nope, it's in the 90s. Yeah. Um which I can't believe that's like a period piece now, but whatever. Uh, I know that's a strange it's, thought. It's, it's pretty gross, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, you're, you're watching it, and it, it, there's a world that he builds that feels like the Lost Boys meets Stand by Me. Like it's a coming of age like oh, story. I'm <laughs> bending over backwards right now because when I first saw, I, when I was doing ADR for it and mm-hmm. I first saw chunks of the movie, the first thing I thought about was Stand By Me. The first thing. And I, I, when I was describing it to people who knew what the story was and had read the script and I said, it feels a lot like Stand By Me. They, 
<laughs> was so perplexed by that notion <laughs> that I said, I can't, that's all I can say, watch it and you'll see. But it has that, right? That it, sort of. Th- there, There is like, it, it's coming, I was like, it's coming of age, but it's also just, it's a, that whole amount of like discovery that comes through you know you're you're an 18 year old in the movie you know you're transitioning to adulthood and you're finding your way in the world mm-hmm. and by the end i think it feels clear that you know who you are now and what you're going to be even if it looks tragic and dark but there also is an interpretation of like no maybe she'll just be all right you know, and Stand By Me has that too. It's just we get more of that closure because Richard Dreyfus tells us that River Phoenix, you know, didn't make it in the end. And that's like horrible. Like, because we get that, that, but we are left open with that interpretation. So I, I'm with you. It's East Coast thing. That's why we, we, <laughs> we saw, we saw each other on it. Um, so Luca Guadagnino, uh, this, this guy, um, you know, he, Again, sincerity. He stylistically just does things that I don't expect. And the movie's so straightforward because it's not like it's not Avatar, Black Panther. It's not. It's not like you know juggling multiple visual effects. You know, you're you're telling a story, but he still makes it feel so big, yeah, so large, so massive that it almost. I almost say like. He must have like a $200 million budget. I know that didn't happen, but he makes it feel so rich and authentic. Even when Timmy's wearing jeans that are on its last leg, mm-hmm. you know, d- d- does it feel like that on set? Does, he, does everything just feel so much larger than what's on the page or vice versa? Yeah. We talked about that towards the end that it felt everyone kept using the word that it felt really big and uh i think that mean that can mean a bunch of different things but luca is certainly somebody who you know when you meet um an artist and it just trickles down to every avenue of their life mm-hmm. like everything is touched by their artistry yeah. he's one of those people so i think that has to do with like the way he directs is the way he is as a human yeah, and the way mm. he cooks and the way he wait, puts can, on wait, clothes. Wait, hold on, or... stop. Let's talk about Lucas' food. You oh. can't throw food in front okay. of him. What does he cook and what is delicious? Because this is an Italian man, so I'm imagining that this is... Everything is delicious. Yes. He's, he's the best cook I know. I went to his house um, before Venice this year for a week and a half or something, and uh, he cooked for us most nights, and... He made, I mean, he can make anything and it tastes like a Michelin star restaurant. Yeah. yeah. I, I think we uh, need an, uh, a first person POV of this and you need really, to go. really do a story. I mean, I think we should, Variety's listening. I mean, like, right, right. This is the story that needs to be told. Yes. Lucas Food. Oh, yes. he's, he's going to get it. Specifically for Clayton. Sw- swear to God, if he gets a cooking show after this podcast, yeah. you and I better get like an Emmy 10%. shout out. Yes, ten percent and an Emmy shout out on that. Um Timmy, mm-hmm. that troublemaker. Uh he is a talented, talented man. And you guys in one scene in particular, I'm trying not to be spoiler because not everyone's seen Bones and All yet, even though you should. Uh there's a scene on a hill. Hill. What, what, what state is that? Nebraska. That Nebraska. Yeah. So when you're in Nebraska. And I say you two are like two knights in medieval times having a battle of acting because you're exchanging blows in, in, in a, in a, and it's, it's, people are going to think, oh, they're fighting in the scene. They're not. There is heart exchanges. There is pain. There is understanding. There's uh, complexity. There's things that are layered. When you say something like, tell me, it's not, it's not, it's a simple line, but it's layered with, I want to understand you. It's layered with, I want to help you. It's layered with, I know that pain and it's going to feel good because I'm going to know I'm not alone when you share it. All that is there. 
Can you talk about that scene in particular? I call it, I, for anyone who knows the podcast, I call that the scene that proves it. Oh. When people are like, why is Bones and All great? Why is Taylor Russell great? I'm like, watch that scene. It's the scene that proves it. Whoa. Whoa, So cool. talk about doing that scene. Doing that scene. Well, that scene we shot over three days. Um, What's it cold? It was only at night. Okay. I, I mean – it wasn't dissimilar to the weather in LA and that it's nice during the day and <laughs> freezing at night when the sun. Goes okay. Down. That's not a very East coast thing to say. Cause when people, right. I, I, went to my son, <laughs> I went to my son's Christmas concert today and there were people with scarves and oh, I almost screamed. Wait, your I, son had a Christmas concert. I'm going to show you, I'll show you when this podcast is over, okay. you're going to. Cause know. that's my dream. It is the kids Christmas concerts. It's that's, that's my niche. <laughs> I, I came. I came Love. out of. I came out of it, and I said, "Guys, I know everyone has kids, but I know I have the best ones. Yeah, I have two of the best. I ones. don't. I don't. I trust you yeah. when you say that. So I should the video. You'll you'll understand. Um, but yeah, uh, go ahead. So it was. Uh, it was nice during the day, cold at night. Yeah, and so we shot it over a few days, um, and that was a beautiful scene because. Because the setting was so spectacular and and it really felt like we were kids at a camp and also we weren't staying at a hotel during that time. We were kind of where we I don't really remember, but we were in <laughs> trailers most of the day and we yeah. had to specifically shoot at sundown and sunrise. So that meant we didn't sleep a lot. And the great thing about being on being on location with your crew and your cast members is that if you are on location and you guys kind of become a, a little weird family mm-hmm. of sorts. So that was at its peak. And um, there were a lot of stories exchanged and there was this sort of, even though that scene felt, felt uh, weight, it had a lot of weight to it. There was a levity there mm. that, um, that was really beautiful. And, and, I just love watching Timmy do his thing and um and I think during that scene as actors we really got to know each other like in terms of us working in a very similar way and you know you can only control so much and then you have to let go and allow everything else to influence you yeah. and not try to turn it into something that you think it should be. Um, and that realization really was strong during filming that scene. So uh, I think that that was my favorite filming period during our months of shooting. Um, How long did you shoot for in total? I am going to say that we shot for two and a half months, but <laughs> I could be, I'm probably lying because I think maybe Luca would say like a month and a half or something. <laughs> I mean, it always feels longer. I mean, yeah, time doesn't, when, do you find yourself when you say last year, you think you're saying 2020? Cause I think 2021 is actually secretly the lost year. So when I say last year, I think I'm saying 2020 and I forget. I think you're right. Yeah. It, it like Why? time, cause the pandemic was really long. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah. Yeah. And it still is long. Everything's just getting longer. And yeah. Time is. I'm just sending the meteor already. That's why I keep telling God. <laughs> like, just send it. Will it reset, man? <laughs> it does feel like this year has been very long. Mm. Uh, I, I said September was like five months long. Like the, the Venice Telluride month, Toronto was I didn't never. see you in Venice. Did you go to Venice? I did not go to Venice. Okay. I saw you in Telluride. I saw, no. you, I saw you from afar in Telluride. We did not have our annual Telluride meetup. I felt your energy Yeah. There. I, I, I was I in the audience when you did your, your Q&A and Mark was there. Or maybe did I see you at another screening? We we like walked by each other and I like waved okay. and we, we said yeah, hello. Yeah, yeah. So, but then uh, we didn't get to, but then I saw you at the Governor's Awards. Yes. Well, you looked amazing, by the way. Thanks. You amazing. Um, I want to ask you another question. <sighs> people, again, people don't know, uh, you were born in this little, uh, country called Kenyatta. <laughs> uh, and what was it like, uh, growing up there? What was your childhood like? What was your, where did you fall in love with cinema or what movie was it that made you fall in love with cinema? Well, my childhood was very outdoorsy. Uh, 
for the first six years of my life, I lived in this place in Vancouver called Deep Cove. And um, the name suits it very well. Mm -hmm. It's a good description. It's in this pocket of Vancouver on the coast. And um, it's surrounded by dense, huge trees. Um, and nobody really knows about it unless you're from Vancouver. Uh, and so, the yeah, the first six years of my life, my most vivid memories are turning over rocks and watching the crabs scramble and like putting them in a bucket and naming them or catching jellyfish or going kayaking. Those are the things that I did. And I remained and I always went to camp every year and we would go, um, we would do like these little kayaking to small islands on the coast of Vancouver and then spending the night there. And so I did a lot of that, that sort of stuff, um, which I'm, I'm grateful for in hindsight because I feel a strong connection to nature and I felt it when I shot bones and all that, mm. that, that sort of deep connection being one with the planet as cheesy as that sounds, felt very strong when I was filming and I think informed a lot of my decisions as Marin in this part. It's definitely not cheesy. The earth doesn't want us anymore. They keep selling us <laughs> and we need to treat her with more respect. Yeah. Like she's, she's been very straight up. So you can say that as much as you need to until people hear it. Mm, it is true. We have to respect and love our planet. Um, yeah. I, and then at a certain point we moved to Toronto and I remember then getting because it was a city I got more into culture and um, music and movies and TV shows and all of that sort of stuff um, like watching MTV and much music late night and the music videos and then oh, do you remember when they played music videos on MTV yes so, so, I will so. I will never forget and I I want so badly for that to come back because those videos also were so inventive too and um uh, yeah, or we're so special, but I, I really loved, I said it before, but I did. I really loved The Mummy. I would watch it every day before school. Um, it was a it's comfort a movie for movie. me. It's an amazing movie to watch. <laughs> I don't know if anyone gave you crap for that. They did. They're stupid because Mummy is amazing. It's amazing, right? Yeah, I it's, think it's a superior film. It's, it's, the, like, <laughs> it's the reason why I know Arnold Bosloo's name and John Hanna and yeah. – introduce us to Rachel Weiss that would become an Academy Award winner in a few years. Like, yes, I know that movie. And then BF man, yeah. Brendan Fraser yeah. because the reason, oh, yeah, I will say as a, as a, as a, you know, film nerd, I did just watch Adam Sandler and Brendan Fraser do their actors on actors. And it was airheads. Reunion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My first Brendan Fraser movie was Encino man. That was, that was my, uh, I haven't seen, I haven't seen Encino Man. Oh, God is let it, let it, a young Sean Astin. Oh, Sean Astin's there. Okay. Yeah, okay. Holly Shore. It's, yeah, it's, it's a worth worthwhile venture. Oh, oh my God! It's, I showed my daughter Sophia, and she, it was her favorite movie for a year. Really? The the my happiest times with my daughter showing her a movie because there have been really sad ones because I'm like really excited to show her stuff, and then she like is like, what is this about? Yeah. Um, is when I showed her Encino Man and she fell in love with it and she fell in love and for like two years wouldn't stop watching it. What about Bob? What about Bob? Bill Murray, Richard Dreyfus. Okay. Let it wash over you. I need a list from you. I will. I will. Of these we, will films we will have a second interview okay. of movie catch up. Yeah. <laughs> like what, yeah. what you've seen. Um, so the mummy was, was your movie as a kid. It was. And then I really, the next movie I loved after that was Sabrina, um, the Harris Billy Wilder Sabrina. one. Oh, no, okay. with Audrey Hepburn. Mm-hmm. I've seen that so many times. I loved that movie. That's that's also a comfort movie for me, big time. I mean, I watch that. I watch that now a lot. Um, so those were kind of the big ones, and I, I, I remember seeing her and feeling like, oh my gosh, you can be all of these things at once. You yeah. can be. Um, you know, beautiful and graceful and brilliant and sincere and an alien <laughs> and all the things that Audrey embodied. And a good person. And an excellent human being, like top tier, pure hearted person. And, um, you know, the last little while I've been thinking a lot about that, about the type of place that I want to hold in the world and 
um, and what I'm interested in. And I, I really do think that, you know, making sure that you're cleaning up your brain constantly and monitoring mm. what's in there and, and, and moving from your heart and is, is the best thing that you can do and trying to just be authentic, which is why I think she resonates so, so much still with people is she authentically cared about other human beings. And you can tell. That's Taylor Russell, star of Bones and All, currently playing in theaters. And that's it for this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Drew Griffith edited this episode and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head on over to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest awards predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Jazz Tanke, Janelle Riley, and Michael Schneider, I'm Clayton Davis, and we'll see you on the circuit. <laughs>